In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Hey, Psychic listeners, thank you for joining this episode. I have Dr. Catherine Purple, and we are going to be talking about soul-centered therapy. What is it, and how can you incorporate that into your everyday life? And wanted to welcome Dr. Perkle. Thank you. It's so nice to be here with you, Nicole. Super excited to get into this. I feel like we're all like over a year being in the pandemic, we've been really centered or thought we were centered. And now we're getting back out into the real world again, into life. So this comes at a really great time. How did you get onto your spiritual path and the journey that you're on before we get into the actual topic itself? What did that look like for you? It's funny. I know we always go back to childhood with everything. And I know you talked about being a very sensitive, um, empathic child as well. And that's definitely how I've always walked through the world. Uh, just from being a very small child, being able to see and feel things and the people around me with, with children and adults and being able to kind of just energetically feel where people are at. And I think for most of my early childhood, that ended up manifesting actually in a lot of anxiety and depression within me because I think what I was doing, which I now understand, was basically, you know, as empaths, we become these sort of energetic sponges. And so I was constantly holding on to everybody else's energy, not really knowing that that's what that was. And in me, that just manifested into a lot of early struggles for myself, which I think too, as healers, I have this theory that all healers come into the world and at least the first quarter of our life, if not longer, has to be filled with a lot of pain because I don't think we're able to sort of heal and transmute other people's pain and their pain stories unless we have our own. So I was like a super sensitive child, awkward adolescence. I was bullied and teased. I was suicidal in my early teens and not really, I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't that open with my parents, my family about it. I just kind of held a lot of it. And then kind of developed, a lot of my therapy ends up being centered around helping people who I think as children were born into Well, I I like to say this, but then you told me how you remembered your birth story. So I think we do choose a lot more than we think we choose. But, you know, I like to say, you know, as children, we don't get to control like who our parents 
are, you know, where we live, when we eat, where we sleep. If people are nice to us, if people are nasty to us, right? We have zero control over our external circumstance. So what we do is we sort of learn these tricks to internally feel like we have control. And I think it works a lot of times when we're young, right? These false illusions of control. And then what happens is as we get older, a lot of those things that kind of helped us feel in control then become the parts of us that, you know, make us feel separate or different or unable to love, unable to commit, unable to love ourselves, unable to love others. And then I think our work as therapists is to try and deconstruct all that. So basically I had all these kind of early really difficult emotional experiences. And then I went to college and it's funny, I I definitely connected with a lot of your story because I think it's like 18 year olds. It's like, who in the hell is supposed to decide (laughs) at 18, right? What, what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. Like you don't know yourself at that age, but I did go in being like, I just, that little healer in me was like, when you checked your major, I picked, I checked psychology, but then I went to just a very business-oriented school where all the girls were marketing majors and all the boys were finance majors. And I really was so just insecure and lost at that time that I ended up taking on a marketing degree. But I could not let go of psychology because I just, I loved it so much. And I knew what it was like to be in pain and I wanted to help other people to manage through their own pain. So I kind of took the two majors and then I was just sick of being a broke college kid, right? And I didn't come from a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of like extra financial support. So I decided to use my marketing degree um, when I first got out. And it's funny because I know you shared how it was like, you know, each time you kind of went up the rung on the ladder and felt smaller and smaller. And, um, you know, that I just remember sitting in these cubicles and being like, I'm dying. Like my soul is literally dying like and I was so uncomfortable and I would look around and see that like all these other people that were engaged in this kind of monotonous work or what I see saw as monotonous but they seemed really excited about like they seemed okay with it and I was like I am not okay with this like I cannot live my life like this and so what happened was I was actually I had moved out I grew up in Cincinnati but I had moved to LA oh my gosh you're from Cincinnati yeah are you I was born in Cincinnati. You were? Yeah. See, there's always weird connections. I know. So I was actually born in Chicago, which is funny because the girl that I learned Reiki from, who also has a podcast on spirituality, she was born in Chicago too. And we we were like born in the same apartment or or like apartment complex area. Yeah, weird. I know. There's always these weird connections. So I was in LA and the company I was working for got bought out. And that was the moment when I was like, I have to just jump in. Like, I have to just do this. And so I finally got myself back in a graduate school program. And that was like the first time I felt like I could breathe. And I felt like I was, it was an interesting mix. There was about half of us who were kind of more of that humanistic, existential, sensitive, artistic type. And then you had these very rigid CBT oriented people in the program. So but I had found a tribe and, you know, and I loved it. I love like from the minute 
I got into getting to do clinical work, which as when you're doing in that program, you get to start it basically a year after you get into the program. It was a five-year program and I was in LA. So I worked in like, you know, pretty intense populations. I worked um, at like a community center with people who were like homeless or, you know, basically just above that poverty line. I worked at an eating disorder, a residential eating disorder clinic. I worked with veterans. So I got like a very good clinical mix. And I started out as a pretty traditional therapist, although I think I was always leading from the heart rather than the mind where a lot of these other more clinical therapists did. And, you know, finished my schooling. We ended up moving to Tennessee and I started my private practice. And I think like as an intuitive, as a creative person, I was always trying to play with what would help to heal people. And, um, I really naturally gravitated towards doing a lot of meditative work with my clients. Well, you worked in such, no, I was going to say intense situations too. Veterans, people that had eating disorders or have eating disorders and people that are just above that poverty line. Like no joke, like you just dove right in. I really did. And again, I think, you know, when you talk about the universe and how things are supposed to align, I think I've had to, again, be sort of pushed in the deep end and meant to face my own struggle with having to hold those pain stories. So I learned how to transmute them. And so, yeah, so what happened was I came to a point where I was like getting so burnt out on the weight of people's souls that I felt like I was just carrying around all the time. So at the same time, I was kind of on this journey of healing my clients. I was also trying to like heal myself. And I started kind of exploring different ways to like protect my energy right? Like, I think one of the earliest that I read, oh, do you know Pat Longo? Mm-hmm. She trained like Teresa Caputo and I read her book and, and like, I loved, she has this very simple exercise of just surround, ground, and shield. So you surround yourself with God's white light. You ground the white light energy through the soles of your feet, and then you shield the heart and the solar plexus. Those tend to be the most like spongy areas. So I started kind of like doing little things like that. And then I started taking my clients through meditations. And what would happen was we would get into this deep meditative state, which I now feel like I understand you're kind of moving from that egoic space to a more soul-centered space where I wouldn't be trying to achieve some objective from kind of engaging in this talk, but just dropping into that intuitive, just all loving presence. And what would happen was we'd be in these meditations and 20 minutes later, I would be like, where in the hell did I pull? Like, it literally was like pulling out like a whole narrative, like a whole journey that I I had not planned out before we got into this. And I was like, I am not doing, like, this is coming through me, not of me which then led through this whole journey of just really getting more, I, you know, and then the academic Emmy wanting to explore. So I started reading about near-death experiences. I started reading about past life regressions. I started reading different mediums. So that was kind of this big spiritual awakening that I started to go through. And then I just really wanted to access that energy in a more tangible way. And I was listening to podcasts too. And I listened to this one girl, her name's Julie Jancis. She does this podcast, Angels and Awakening. And I like go on her website and she, like her next Reiki angel, angel training was like, I think it was like right around my birthday. And I was like, oh, 
I just like jumped and I just did it. It'll be two years ago, I think this fall that I got Reiki certified, but it was like a whole weekend and she was in Chicago and, you know, we just kind of dove deep in this like three day retreat. And basically at the end of it, kind of basically we're able to attain that like Reiki master level training through her work. And then that was a process too, coming home and like having these skills and having these clients that I already had in my practice, but being like, how? Because the the quote unquote standard therapy, right? It's like, you can't touch them. You can't hug them. It's like inhuman in a way. It is inhuman. And that is what is so crazy. And there are certain, even certain clinicians that have been around a long time. Like I think Irving Yalom, he was like someone I followed early, but he talked about the importance of human touch. So there would be these people who would talk, but it's like, yeah, it's like you were dealing with people in like their most vulnerable and painful moments in their life, whether they're like grieving a death of someone, going through a divorce, a job, like a job loss, like whatever that is. It's like, and for you to not be able to like make that, you know, human connection. And so I kind of grappled with it for a while. And then I ended up setting, and again, this is where the universe and the synchronicities, somehow I saw a book on Reiki and psychotherapy. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, is this real? And I read his book and he was this guy, I think he's like in New Jersey or something. And he even had in there like a sample, like Reiki informed consent to use that like talks about touch and, you know, just like how to protect yourself. And I was like, you know what? I feel like, like my intuitive self knows that this is what I meant to do. And I just kind of went for it. And it's just very quickly evolved into this very natural thing that everybody loved. And it's become this process where we do processing. And usually I I probably don't do Reiki for the first like three or four sessions because you really want to get that history and maybe even give them some good coping skills to work with. And then we kind of introduce the Reiki and it becomes this really cool fluid process where it's like some days it's all processing. Some days they come in and I can feel the weight of their soul like as they enter the room and I'm like, we have to just get on the Reiki table and we might just do like a 10 minute check-in and just... So anyways, yeah, that's that's kind of my my story of sort of spiritual awakening. How do you do that when long distance now? Because being a Reiki master, so for people that aren't familiar with it, your level one is you work on yourself. Level two is you work on other people, but it's in person. And then level three is the mastership. And that's where you can do distance. And in the beginning, when I first got mine, I was like, yeah, this, I was in my early 20s. I was like, this is a little hooey. <laughs> I was like, but I was still really led to do it. And I wasn't sure. And I say it wasn't sure. It's not that I didn't believe you could heal long distance. It's that I wasn't sure if it was going to be the same as when you are in person. And to me, I feel like a lot of ways doing it long distance is almost better in some cases because people aren't in their head. Like again, everybody's different. But is that what you do now with the pandemic? Have you been doing a lot more virtual or, or is it still in person? And so I, for those first, I guess, six or eight weeks, I guess, uh, you know, whenever everything was literally just shut down, I did do a lot of virtual sessions. So I am interesting. And and maybe this is something that's still evolving. It's funny because I know even people, the way they do Reiki differs person to person. Like some people can hover hands, you know, some people can you know, do that sort of energetic transfer distance wise. 
And I have done it. And usually my typical process with that is like we do the check-in. And then basically what I do is like have them like lay down, you know, wherever they're comfortable. I put on the music that I would put on. I use that, the solfagio, like sort of those great tonal beats to really, you know, work through the energetic system and lighting different incense. So so I do all the same things. And then basically I'm just kind of verbally guiding them as I'm going down the body. And in fact, you know what I did during quarantine? I used a teddy bear. And so I, as they were kind of laying in their space, I was, I was using the teddy bear kind of as my energetic transfer, like as a guide. But, you know, I do have to say, I do, I love having my hands on somebody. (laughs) Like there's just something for me. And, and I don't know if it's just for me specifically. Like, you know, everyone has their different gifts and, um, there's just something that feels irreplaceable. So, you know, long story short, as soon as I could, I did get back in my office and we, I, I wore a mask. They wore a mask. I would, you know, disinfect the bedding between clients and whatnot. So, I I don't know. I really have like the in-person connection. But I do think, you know, obviously, like if someone was really called to work with me and wanting to connect with me, I think that it obviously like has the same healing benefits, you know, to be able to connect over Skype or whatever, and then be able to kind of engage in the energy work, even if I can't physically have my hands on them. Yeah, I think there's benefits to both. One thing I really like about doing Reiki in person too, um, it's funny that you use the teddy bear, (laughs) but I like to use rosary beads or a pendulum or something else to check the chakras in the beginning. Oh, I do too. I have a pendulum that I always go over the the body. And it's, I mean... I love it because then when you're done doing the work, I love when you put the pendulum over again and everything that was closed is now like, it's just wide open. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Yes. So what was it like for you when you got your Reiki certification? Like, did you feel different? And what was it like with the energy coming in? Because I felt like I was going through menopause. I mean, I probably always feel that way. (laughs) I'm sure you can relate to this. Like there's just a lot of energy around everywhere. So, um, and it's funny. I know we talk about like the Claire's, right? And I get so frustrated because I am someone like, it's so funny because people are like, I don't want to see spirit. And I'm like, I want... I listened to an old podcast of yours. You were talking... And actually, I'm going to do a psychic training with her, Ellen Malloy. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She was like blowing my mind. I'm like, because I, I do, I always incorporate the angels into my Reiki, you know, and I have different angels for the different chakra points. And I was like, I feel them so much. You just want to see them. <laughs> I want to see what, like, I know they're there. Like, you can, like, I don't know about you, but like the second I start to open up to the energy and you, I, I give like a little, like kind of a little guided meditation in the beginning to open the chakras and you can feel like the waves of energy just like coming through. So I'm definitely have that clairsentience and maybe I have the claircognizance too, but I really just want to like, I did see Jesus once. 
I did. It freaked me out. So I was doing, yeah, you're, you'll be the first one to hear the story and everyone listening now will be the second. <laughs> so when I was getting my, actually I was right, I was done with my Reiki master certification and I was giving a Reiki to somebody in person and it was an emergency session. I was with my mentor and teacher at the time. So we were both doing this, this work and the person in particular that was having this done, it was so freaky. He was in the medical field. He didn't believe in any of this stuff. He was just like, you know, very right-brained of, all right, but desperate in the sense of, I've heard about this. I'm going to try healing. I'm going to try Reiki and all of that. And he had had a really bad MRI and a, and a heart situation as well. And they basically gave him very short time to live. And he was like, this is so weird. He was very young. So he was like, of course, freaking out about everything. And I am the type of person that unless I see it or it happens to me, it's not that I doubt it. It's just I don't really firmly believe it because I'm open to all things, if that makes sense. Yes. And so I always had questioned whether or not there was a Jesus energy or consciousness. Yes. And I'm probably going to get slapped in the face for that. But I felt like religious-wise, was he a made-up person? Was he an actual real person? Have we glorified his position? Right. So I was always on, you know, believing in God, believing in angels because I felt them like you were talking about, feel that energy. Long story short, working on him. And all of a sudden, as I'm like working on him and my mentor's at the top of his head and I'm in his feet, I look up and he has this blanket over him. And it was like the shroud of Turin, like Jesus's oh, face. It was creepy and cool at the same time because it just started to kind of pull up on the blanket. And yeah. I like went like this and she like kind of stopped and she's looking, she doesn't see anything, of course. And then I was just, I had this calm and this peace oh. and this energy just like flowed through me and into his feet and through. Oh, and like you were saying, it wasn't from me. It was from, it was an opening and a permission of yeah. being able to hold the energy and the healing and put that through. And after that, I believed. And afterwards oh she said to me, she was like, what did you see? And yes. I told her, but I didn't want to say it during the session because <laughs> he didn't believe in this stuff. I wasn't right. even really sure about certain aspects of energy. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, that was... So when you say seen, I, in cer certain cases like that, I would love to. I guess my thing is, is I wouldn't just want to be turning around a corner and then see like, boom, see an angel. I know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, but I do think for whatever reason, my path is that because I have to be grounded in the psychotherapy world, I think there's like, and I'm on this spiritual journey and I think I'm helping other people on it. I think if I was given it too easily or readily, like maybe I wouldn't be in that position of like helping other people also. We will do some prayer work and we will work on you so that you can see. Well, I mean, I really am asking for it. I feel it. Oh my God, so strongly. But yeah, it's just, I mean, that's an amazing story. I love that. So when people want sessions with you, so they go on your website and you said you do like a couple introductory, most likely in person. In some cases, if somebody really wants to work with you and you both feel led, you will do virtual. Yes. You do like three check-in sessions and then you say like it'll change or it'll be customized based on what they need, if they need to talk and kind yes. of vent and let their feelings out. And then do you give also spiritual guidance or healing things or do you just hold the energy? What is, what is that? I do. And I think that's where I've become like, I'm like on this crusade almost of changing my field because 
it's interesting. Like I've talked to even like big dog, like transpersonal psychologists. And it's frustrating because you can tell that they're still trying to play this game almost of like, yeah, we're saying that the mind, body and spirit all matter. But like, you're not going to like necessarily go into that in the therapeutic relationship. And what is crazy to me in that is like the same way that healing hands is so important. Like, our fear of death and dying and maybe feeling like this is a, you know, to feel like this is a one-time go around versus like, this is like a thousand time go around. And everybody that, you know, is in your path, you probably chose for them to be in there. And here's what you're like. I just think when you frame things through that lens, like it relieves a lot of suffering and a lot of anxiety about like this clutching or feeling like you just, you're at some sort of race when it's like, no, your soul is just, here to be, you know, embodied in a, in a human vehicle and experience sort of different aspects of the human experience. That's huge because it's a misconception and it's a myth in society that we've been taught that there needs to be a, a fear based if you don't do, like you said, the right or wrong, or you're not on this one particular path. And what you just said too about the spiritual and then the human experience, it really helps I mean, when it kind of clicked in my mind about the fact that I don't want to say I can do no wrong because I do feel that there's right and wrong on my soul journey. Yes. But not judging myself or other people for taking a detour or going down a different path. When that clicks, you are at such peace in a different way than you were before. Yes. Yeah. So I just, like I said, I think from the specifically trains personal psychology lens, that's the only one that will even open up to the idea of a soul. But there's still a lot of sort of technical understanding versus like practical application. And that's why for me, I'm very open about sort of my beliefs in terms of like reincarnation, you know, how our past lives can imprint on our current lives, sort of ancestral traumas and how we can carry though. I mean, it's, it's complicated, right? You've got multiple aspects of self. You have your soul self. You also have your ancestral lineage and they're kind of all pressing on you to heal different, <laughs> different parts. And so we try and do that through lots of different ways. Like processing is one way, but also getting into meditative space and meeting with, you know, I sometimes take people to connect with their higher self in meditation, um, to connect with the inner child through meditation, to meet with spirit guides, to meet with people that have died, you know, and I think it's cool too, to do it in the therapeutic context, because then you have someone who's also witnessing and processing with you in a way that's different than if maybe you're just doing that work on your own. The only kind of vision work I would say I ever get, and I always get so uncomfortable with it because I consider myself an intuitive empath, but I'm not like, I am a psychic medium. So when I get these impressions during Reiki, I'm like, what I do is I'll tell them what the impression is, but I'm like, you can take from it what you want. It's You can either take it literally or maybe it's a symbol, but I get a lot of past life hits when I'm on the Reiki table. So maybe, um, you know, I'm at their third eye and suddenly a vision of a past life that's connecting to kind of their current pain story. So I'll tell them what I see. And then I'm just like, you take from that what you will. Don't interpret it, which I think is a really smart way to approach it because I'm sure... 
well, one, your line of work and your certifications and your, your medical degree. But for me, I think a lot of times people want that prediction or they want to know like, what does it mean? And in some cases, people, I feel like psychics in particular can kind of, that sets them up for failure because I can only interpret something on, sometimes I get visions in my third eye or a feeling or knowing, and I'm passing that information on, but it's really up to you to interpret it because in some cases, if I'm feeling someone's sick, but you don't know if they're sick, for example. Yes. They may be like, well, that's not the case. And then they're dismissive of of other things. So I think that's important too, because you're getting that information to help them heal more quickly in some ways or more peacefully in some ways, because it is connected maybe to a past life or to a current situation that they're going through that they didn't think that they needed to work through. Yes. And that's a personal message on on a soul level that they need to deal with. Yeah. And saying like, I'll sometimes hear a word in my head as well, uh, or like a bit like someone like rheumatoid arthritis might pop in my mind or high blood pressure or things like that. And I might, I, I might say like, Hey, I heard this word. I don't know if that's like something that you've looked into, but you know, it might be something that like you want to check on, you know, and that's as far as I'm, clearly I'm not going to physically. So yes, the soul centered work is very prevalent in my sessions with my clients. I wish I had known you 20 years ago. <laughs> You know what? I wasn't this way 20 years ago. You know, it's funny. I always say like my spiritual awakening definitely started with also I had terrible postpartum depression with the birth of my first son. And that kind of really opened my spiritual journey as well. And that was 2012. And I always think it's so funny because everybody always talks about that 2012 was kind of the dawn of this new age, this new way of thinking, right? This new moving to the fifth dimension or whatever. Do you think that we're now in that second phase of it this past year? You have a look on your face, so I'm wondering. That is so complicated because I, and I'm sure you've heard people talk about this too, where it's not necessarily like the earth is suddenly going to look different, but that we're kind of making a split in sort of the timeline or kind of moving into like a parallel dimension where maybe, and I hope to God you and I are both on the train of moving to that higher dimension because I'm thinking, okay, if, if we really are moving into that space, we should have all green energy. We shouldn't be killing any animals, like maybe it's just going to be making meat from stem cells or something. Like, I don't know. But, you know, nobody's in poverty. Like, these are the things I think about, like in terms of moving to this higher dimension way of being and that maybe the people that aren't on that train, like are going to continue to like drive gas cars and kill animals. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to look for in terms of like, okay, this will mean I'm on this higher timeline where people are not hurting each other and we are not suffering and we are transcending the limitations of our human emotions to be a more evolved sort of soul-centered self. To me, I feel like it's somebody described it. They were just not describing this, but this is what clicked for me and what my guides had told me. It's like, I've been hitting the snooze button on my spiritual journey for so long. Like, yes, I got my Reiki certification. And yes, I started the podcast and I read all the spiritual books and I'm all like, 
know thyself and everything. But from a practicing standpoint of it every second of every day, that's not how it was. And I also kept going back. The switch would be flipped between corporate versus spiritual versus romantic relationship versus not. It was ego-driven, not higher self-driven. And hopefully, most people that have gone through this needed that, the pandemic in particular, that extra push. I feel like the switch has been flipped on and it hasn't flipped back. Yeah. So for me, that's the... Yeah, I, I get the the physical aspect of being in 5D and wholeheartedly agree with you. Like it still doesn't look different right now. But I think that it's that awakening level for a lot of people yes. where we were asleep for so long. Yes. And as I said, technology is to me the fire starter. Like it's like we have so much access to information that we did not have really just even like last year. Yes. Like it's it's crazy. Like Oh my gosh. I watched the coolest documentary on um, Amazon. It's called, um, oh my gosh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. First of all, even if you're not into the whole alien thing, like, but you're into the spirituality thing, like this was the most, um, I know you know this, amazing crossover of the two worlds. And basically just in a little short synopsis for your listeners, the guy that's hosting this is talking about how our elevated consciousness is actually what allows for things like space travel and moving beyond the limits of sort of time and space, that that's how they travel. And I was just the one part where my jaw, I think I had to like pick it up off the floor. And I'm now trying to like explore if I can do this myself is the astral projection part where he talked about the guy that like did it. And then because he wasn't in his physical 3D form, but he was in this high that he crashed into the ship and then the ship actually moved. I was like, wait, what? Like, oh my God. For anyone who's uh, still with us on this journey, it's I highly recommend the documentary. And I think that it helps, cl- it helped clarify for me the difference between why we're experiencing all these things. Like we, we go through it and we know that it's a challenging time really our whole lives let's be honest. But during this last year in particular, both politically, spiritually, environmentally, and it gives us that sense of knowing, well, we are working from a consciousness level to that higher level. And his name is Dr. Stephen Greer. Amazing. Can we all go? Can we do one of his retreats? Okay. So I'm going to do a call out to my listeners. Let's do it on your podcast too. Yes. Can you please ping Dr. Stephen Greer on Instagram and ask him to be a guest on our show. Yes. Throwing on Catherine's. We will interview him. I have reached out, I don't know how many times, but yes, his retreats though are insanely expensive. They're like six or eight grand. Really? Yeah. And honestly, like, I guess it's really not that much. Like if you are thinking that you might encounter aliens. Now, if he gave a guarantee that I would see UFO and see an actual alien, or maybe the alien would abduct me, I'd pay that. Take me to another planet for, <laughs> for a little vacation. But yeah. Teach us your ways. Help us to become more peaceful and evolved. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Like we were thinking of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's another topic then for your show. Yes. Want to be mindful of your time. So so your website is again drcatherineperkle.com and that's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. I'll put it in here. And what is your podcast called? It's called Soul Centered Therapy. Okay. And for all your listeners, I'm recruiting Nicole to come be on mine because I think she's fascinating too. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, it'll be fun. We can maybe pick this back up. Yes, absolutely. No, this is so fun. I was like, because I listen, I've been listening to you, you know, a lot of your interviewers, and I'm like, I hope that I have, you know, valuable things to add and say. Because oh, you do. As I said, I'm not seeing the angels in the room, but I can feel them. You know. Yes. Well, we will work on that. Maybe what I can do is I can see if there will be a downloaded prayer or meditation for your show. Okay. Maybe we can share it with your listeners and then I'll ask you to do that every day for a few weeks and then you can check in with me and let me know if you started to see anything. Yes. I love that. Because I will ask you, do you see little lights? Yes. Little like twinkles? Yes. Like blue and white and all that? That's step one. Yeah. It's in fact, more and more, I would say even in the last six months, like if something's super like spot on in a session or I'm on the table and something really, you know, comes into alignment. Yes. I will see like just a little burst of light. Yes. You're almost there. I want to see Jesus's face writing out of someone's solar plexus. <laughs> oh, and I meant to give a quick update too on that. The gentleman who came in for the session, he did a follow-up test because, you know, a lot of times when you have like these medical issues, you don't just go once. You go for like a secondary opinion and everything. His doctor had sent his records to the other doctor for comparison and they lost them. And he worked in a hospital. They never found the original records and his heart was cleared. Wow. And he was so freaked out that he never talked to me again. I worked with a girl who had really severe endometriosis. And we were doing some work kind of between a first surgery and then she did a follow-up surgery. And when they went back in to clear the scar tissue, he's like, it was, it's, there was nothing to, like, you're perfect. It's the power of prayer and love and energy. And we owe so much. But thank you so much. This has been really, really awesome talking to you. This is so fun. And I'll be excited to connect with you in a couple of weeks and continue this story. And yeah, maybe we'll get Stephen Greer. Dr. Stephen Greer, folks, reach out to him, please. I don't care about the reviews right now. Just ping him. Ping him. Get him on here. And he was, I mean, you could see from that too, an amazing human being, like in terms of his empathy and connection to humanity. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.